Welcome to another episode of the MaxCast. I'm Max Marcus, and today we have a great comic as our guest, uh, comedian <laughs> and uh, co-host of the Potterhood podcast, Will Poznan. Hi, I'm, I'm good. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, well, I've been uh, I've been engineering uh, Potterhood for what, a year, a year and a half, something like that. Yeah, I think uh, I had Nico uh, on the very first episode of this, and uh, it seemed time to uh, bring on bring on the other co-host of the the Potterhood. Well, you know, I think that uh, like this podcast is like your beautiful dark twisted fantasy, but Potterhood's always going to be your college dropout. You're ending yeah. your work on that. So I think, yeah, yeah. You know, it makes sense that you would want to incorporate us in, into this a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, um, it's just, I get the, I get uh, all of, uh, we have such, such more listeners on the Potterhood and this is, it's basically me just like trying to siphon off anything I can. <laughs> my well, own thing. These things grow, man. I mean, like yeah. with all this stuff, like, you know, Seinfeld didn't have a lot of like viewers at the beginning. I mean, uh, way more than we've had on either podcast, yeah. but Seinfeld, like any, and Breaking Bad, like two of the most important shows ever. Yeah. Almost they, the same, yeah. Yeah, like they started with this core group and then they grew out. And I think with podcasts, it's like a podcast. It's more like a seed growing into a giant plant or a giant tree, whereas like a TV show, it's like a mammal. It has to be born of a certain size and then it can grow from there. Yeah, no, for sure. With uh, with the podcast, I think it really is something where it's like you do it for you can do it for like a few years and then people really start to notice. Yeah. And then they can go to your back catalog and be like, there's so much of this. And that's when it can really blow up. Like, I think um, I don't know him well, but I think that's kind of what's happened with like Lev. I think that was uh, it sounds like he's well, just done his podcast for a while and is now pretty he, big. He he also had some good appearances on a couple of other podcasts. That's another like you can feed into this. It's a lot like hip hop where you can feed in with cosigns from other people. Yeah. Or when all else fails. Yeah. Like me, I'm planning on turning states informant and just tattooing numbers on my face. And that's going to be that's what I'm doing. So I think on some people. Yeah, I'm going to be like uh, Dexter on Showtime where I only snitch on other snitches. You know how he was a serious. He was like the serial killer that only yeah. killed other serial killers. Oh, yeah, that'd be a that'd be a good good sketch. You could try that out. I'm going yeah. to um, uh, this is unrelated to everything, but um, I'm going to be going to Tennessee tomorrow. To oh yeah, I saw up. that. You're, yeah. you're doing a show there. That's very cool. And you're driving there, right? No, I'm flying. Cheap uh, uh, tickets are cheap, so I'm just oh, yeah. like, do you have I the can't... double mask and the visor and everything? Uh, no, I'm just going to do my mask. <laughs> You're going to risk. Okay. Um, I've heard that airplanes are actually safer cause they like are yeah. cleaning the air as it like goes through. So I saw that too, but you know, they used to think cigarettes were safe. That's true. <laughs> they used, to, used to, be to be like able to smoke uh, on planes. Yeah. They used to encourage Olympic athletes to smoke cigarettes. They thought it would help with like distance running and swimming, like it, it would expand your lungs. They literally thought like lungs work like hot air balloons where it's like you put the smoke in them and they work better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
that was the 50s and 60s. I think we know a little more about lungs now. So hopefully. But the thing is, the cigarette companies and all them, they figured out about 30 years before the rest of us. So I don't trust the airlines to be like, like, do you think the airlines are going to go? This is the most dangerous place you can be. The recycling of the air just makes the COVID agents stronger. more potent. That's true. But That's they, true. They, they might be telling the truth. I mean, there's no I reason to go through life. I paranoid. might, um, if I can bring my dog, I've heard that if you go to a hot spot, which I think is now just every other state <laughs> and territory. <Yeah. laughs> yeah. um, it just alternates. Uh, it's New like York, wh- New yeah. York will put you up in a hotel for your quarantine. Like if you have roommates. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, should I just do hotel How do they living? check that? Yeah. Can't you just say like, oh yeah, I give my, my guy $300 a month. It's not, there's no paperwork. I'd put out of room. Like a lot of roommates don't have paperwork. Man, yeah. If you're paying for a hotel in New York, you're a sucker. That's what I'm learning from this. Yeah. They'll put you up. They'll put you up in a hotel for free. I believe. Um, if you've uh, if you're coming from out of state, just like protect your roommates. But it like it sounds like a cool idea at first. But then you're just like, none of my stuff is here. I'm just like cooped, and you can't really like leave and do. I feel like quarantining in a hotel room is actually worse. I'd rather just like be in my room with my stuff. All these COVID half measures are stupid. There yeah. is a way that we should have done it, which is just everybody goes into their apartment and they. And a few people in hazmat suits bring the food to the people and everybody stays in their apartment for like two weeks, I think, like not even or like whatever, maybe I I think it's two weeks. Yeah. Or yeah, maybe four weeks, maybe maybe four to be safe. But yeah, I know it's supposed to be two weeks would be if nobody interacted, that's how long it would take. to. But everybody just stays in like the people that are, you know, that. Basically, what do you need? You need food, you need electricity, you need running water. Like the people that are in charge of maintaining that, get that to the people. And we actually treat this thing like like we could just stomp this thing out. I, You know what? I, it really makes me sick that like the idea that Americans, like previous generations of Americans for all of their faults, they really believe they could do anything. Yeah. Like, they believe that they could win wars with other countries they believe that they could go to you know yeah go to space like and these days like our generation is like well i want to be vegan but i don't know if i can give up lamburgers (laughs) yeah yeah tripped up we should just dominate this fucking virus man like two weeks Black Panthers spend like six months in the hole just because they try to convert the guy next door to Islam. (laughs) Like, yeah, we uh, there there are times where it definitely would be like everyone's like, let's come together as a country. Let's all do this. Whereas one. But we're I think I guess it's like because we're so divided and I think because we're so anti-science. I think it's easier for Americans to come together and fight a war. Cause we're like, Oh, we get that. That like makes sense to us. Like we can like uh, it's the idea of like invading a country is much more no, you're right uh, like, but i don't think us. we could do that today i think that you're 100 you know? right that we are so consumed with this fight against each other it's like america it's like the liberals and the conservatives are like two mike tysons who yeah. they decided like at some point they turned on each other like they or michael jordan whoever they dominated yeah. the competition turned on each other. I think right around when the USSR fell, they looked around and was like, okay, 
no, you know, and we turn on each other and we're so consumed yeah, with that fight against each other. It really was like other. the 90s. Yeah. And I so- watched um, the CNN docuseries on the 90s. And dude, that's the, that might, the 90s might be the weirdest decade. Uh, <laughs> just like on every front. It's when we start getting divided. It's when like Fox News became a thing. Um, this is my theory. Do you know what I think started dividing the country? I think um, uh, Johnny Carson retiring. I think the that whole was country big. was no longer watching Carson. I think we. Be, I think it trickled down. First, it became the Leno versus the Letterman people, and it's just gone worse since then. That's funny. It, it's so funny because like there's people who really give a fuck Leno versus Letterman. Like they think that that is the most important cultural loss. Like, can you believe Leno won in the ratings against yeah. Letterman? And it's like, it's definitely no one our age, anyone our age who's like really dude, the talk shows done like that format. Yeah. The, and it's not done because it's it. You know why it's done? It's done kind of the same reason that baseball's, taking a step back it's just because our most talented athletes are choosing other sports and you know like in the 1950s mm-hmm. like i don't know if lebron would have chosen baseball but russell westbrook would have like a lot of elite athletes would just go like i'm gonna apply my athleticism to hitting like a 500 foot home run just because that's where the glory was you know yeah. but now no elite athletes don't choose baseball. Elite comedians don't choose that talk show format. Like, okay. Well, there's so, just so many of them, I think is also part of it. Where but who of them are elite? Like, okay. So Jimmy Fallon, Stephen Colbert, Seth Meyers, like, have I named somebody who you're going to tell your grandkids about for how funny they are? <laughs> I think Colbert for like his time on the Colbert report, I think was. Oh yeah. So past his, so it's kind of like, if Chris Paul now decided to be a baseball player, yeah. it's like he or spent like his Michael glory years hired from basketball to play baseball in yeah. the minor leagues. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, I mean, as good as Colbert report was, it's no Jordan. It wasn't, it wasn't Chicago bulls. Jordan, if we're going to no. give LeBron a whole time about not meeting the Jordan standard, we certainly have to do the same for Stephen Colbert. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, Stephen Colbert, but I agree with you. He was a lot better on that other show. But I guess the main thing is just that. um, Well, first of all, the the what's it called? Like the perception of that of those shows is terrible because it's like the exact same kind of corny white dude over and over. And that hurts it. But then also it's like. So that like makes it feel of a certain time that we're no longer in just that by itself. But then it's also when was the last time that a generational comedic talent was a talk show host? Like maybe you make a case for Jon Stewart, but that shows different. Maybe you can make a case for early Conan as being a generational comedic talent. Yeah. Well, then it also like what kind of comedy? Because it's like stand up. Like Conan wasn't a stand-up comic. Colbert's not a stand-up comic. Uh, Fallon, but, but like Will Ferrell's a generational comedic talent. I'm yeah. not even saying stand-up comics because. But they I mean, used to be. Um, well, I guess Carson wasn't really. But the at least the the Leno Letterman. It was like those were two. Yeah. No, exactly. Stand-up comedy world. That and was. Yeah. I think. Uh, I mean, if you even now that like the feud's like so far over. Uh, 
you'll even hear Letterman credit Leno as like he was like in the clubs. He was the best at the time. He was like, which yeah. is like crazy to think about now because he just seems like so corny. But it it's makes like, sense to me, though. Yeah. I, it does. Like there's the I don't know. There's like a thing where sometimes like if you look at early Leno, he's mm-hmm. so hardened and he's so like he's so one way. And yeah. once you compromise that a little bit, the free fall is really hard to slow down. Like he was so um, cutting and it's not even like edgy, like edgy is an overused word, but it's like he so had his point of view, like early yeah. Jay Leno. Same with uh, who's the guy who um, brought the guy who Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller similarly had a very specific point of view. Mm-hmm. And then once he compromised that a little bit, like they compromised for different reasons, but once they pivoted a little bit from their specific point of view, then it just becomes all gray area. It's very, unless you're going to pivot to something com- a completely different new point of view. I mean, same thing kind of happened with Jim Norton. It's, it's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, it's like when I've, I've been I've been thinking like 12 years ago when I uh, started really getting into comedy, mm-hmm. there was nobody like there were people as funny as Jim Norton, but there was nobody funnier. Like he was fucking hilarious. And I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't watched uh, his stand up that recently, like probably within the last four or five years. But like. Yeah, I, what yeah, he does I, on Jim and Sam is not like it's just not the same. I don't think he would say it's the same. It's no, like, but I'm sure his stand up is still different than that. That's just being like a radio personality. He does a sure. lot of radio now. Um, I used to always see him uh, at Stand Up New York uh, back yeah. when they were had their collaboration with. Um, uh, I forget what the what the podcasting company was, but they had like the uh, the Jim Norton UFC show uh, and a bunch of other stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I'm saying and I'm mentioning him because I think that for a stretch of time, he was an all time great comic. It's kind of like it's the same thing that like Nas has problems with where it's like, you know, Nas has a lot of good albums, but the problem is that the first two are all time great. Yeah, it's hard to live up to uh, certain points. I feel like you either are like have something that's like so iconic, it's hard to like get past it. And then I think there's the people like George Carlin, where it's like you just keep going and you keep putting stuff out. And it's yeah. just like, it's just, it's all one, like, such a solid body of work that even if you're, like, I liked him when he was, like, younger and sillier, it's, like, but he's it's still pretty good when he's old. He's still, you know what, like... You know what I think is the number one way to uh, stay at an elite level that doesn't get really talked about is, like, connectivity to the current young people in the art form because like, and I think, I think that like, I think if you look at Norton, a lot of people will go, Oh, when Opie and Anthony broke up, that was the moment. But I actually think like 
I think it was when he's, you know, he's connected to the generation below him, but he's not connected. Like, I don't think he like has the phone number of anybody from our group, but you look at like Colin Quinn, Colin Quinn still fucks with people. Colin Quinn's new book, by the way, really good. I just, yeah, yeah. it's just funny. It's like, and his new special funny too. Um, But there's always like those guys like Colin Quinn, Louie, I mean, whoever that stay connected to the new people coming up at the cellar or whatever. And I think I heard that Louie was not like that originally. I thought, I mean, that he wasn't as like um, warm and welcoming to like, or like interested in engaging with like the younger comics. It wasn't until like he like had his fall from grace that I think I've heard that he's yeah. That's like uh, I don't think that's true because yeah. I know for a fact that he was mentoring Mark Norman, Joe List, Michelle Wolf, mm. uh, Lisa Traeger. Uh, yeah, like he. I mean, anybody who you see in Horace and Pete he had a conversation with about uh, about this is Did all Michelle Wolf ever do Horace and Pete. Yeah. She was good on it too. Oh, I, um, watch, I never watched. And he brought, Pete. I mean, you can go online and look up who he brought on his tours. Mm-hmm. And when I, when uh, I saw Louie really, when he toured that 2017 special, the last special mm-hmm. went back when he was legal, yeah. uh, when you were allowed to be a fan of his, uh, yeah. That special, when he toured that, he was bringing like that generation of comics out to all those shows. Mm-hmm. When I saw him in Newark, uh, the openers were Keith Robinson, Michelle Wolf, and who's the really funny uh, older woman who always at the cellar? Uh, she has the Fran Drescher voice. Uh, she's really oh. funny, man. And I was going to say that she's underrated, but now I'm doing it, too. Yeah. Uh, she, I don't know. She's kind of hot. She's an older woman. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, uh, the other now thing. I'm going to have that, to look it up. Yeah, besides comedy, uh, the other thing we've always talked about and we did a podcast on for a little bit was uh, like basketball. The yeah. NBA. Uh, I don't know if we've talked about it that much. What did you think of uh, bubble basketball? Um, I loved it, man. I loved it. Like, you definitely miss a little bit from not uh, from not being there or from not seeing the fans in the yeah. background. Like there's a little bit, but then you also get a little something just from the players. The players' interactions were it was like a little bit more the idea of whoever wins this game is better because you were taking out home field advantage and because it was all happening in a neutral site and because everybody was well rested because there wasn't a travel element, but also everybody was exhausted because it was game, game, game. And all these games were really intense. And I think it was just mentally draining to be in the bubble day in and day out for them. I think Paul George really did not handle it well. He, uh, I don't know. He, uh, he, but he admits it. He was like, yeah, like was so depressed in there. Well, I think that there's two things that they really missed. Um, I think some guys really, really miss their families and that's beautiful and touching and my heart goes out to them. And then some guys really, really missed having sex every night. 
And yeah. that's a, like when Lou Williams, you know, when he needs food yeah. from a strip club on the, during his like three day hiatus from the bubble, it's like, okay, well there are some pro athletes and some celebrities who are undiagnosed sex addicts because mm-hmm. it's so easy for them to scratch that itch. And yeah, you know, if they want help, they should get help. And a lot of them don't want help because they saw what happened to Tiger Woods and they just decided to stay single. Yeah. I think it's funny that, um, out of all the stuff that they had in the bubble, they're like, you can play video games and golf <laughs> and go fishing. It's Your like bubble would add they, a whorehouse. Yeah. That's the one thing they could have need a whorehouse. You just need, you just get, you to get, just get a bunch tested. of like, uh, Instagram thoughts. And then you're just yeah. like, we're going to give you like, 60 grand or whatever to be in the bubble. We're not paying you to have sex. They would. No, no, no. You make them pay to be in the bubble. That is a viable source of income. Do you know how much these, like some of these women would pay to have a monopoly? Like if you say there's only a hundred spots, I mean, I don't know how many guys. I think think you would have to pay them because you'd be like, there's no leaving. You're, you're just, you're going to get all the food. You're going to be treated. It's going to be the same. You're in here. They're looking at those players like if you okay, if you sent a hundred Instagram hoes into the bubble, I guarantee you before the season ended, there'd be at least one marriage proposal. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna I wasn't gonna I thought you were gonna say there's just so many pregnancies. There'd be that too. There'd be that too. But I guarantee you at I mean in in one of two ways. A one of those women is leaving the bubble with a Birkin bag in one of two ways. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I uh, obviously I'm not like a uh, a Lakers fan. I like the Celtics. The one thing I took solace in, though, is I do like seeing Rondo get a second ring. I like I like that Rondo has that. Yeah, I'm I'm proud of him, too, man. I love Rajon Rondo. He's one of my favorite players. And he's he's still like good when he needs to be. I mean, Uh, He's like, what, 35? And he was still putting, he had games where he would, I think he had like a 20 point 11 assist game in the bubble. And it's just like, dude, you're like, it's still in there. You're still, you're still that guy on somewhere deep down. Heart of a champion. No, he has the heart of a champion. And Lynn Coplitz was who I was thinking of. Oh, the comic? Yeah, she's great. Um, But then also, it looks like Rondo might go to the Clippers. So that would be really crazy if he could just like whip them into shape and be like, guys, I, if he just becomes like the vocal leader and like they, everyone up, they need someone like him. Um, the thing they really need though, is a, is a seven foot tall center who can lock people up. I mean, people, I thought it was overstated when they were like the Clippers choked, the Clippers choked. Like I really felt like watching those games, like the nuggets beat them. Like Murray made impossible shots. They played good defense on Murray. That wasn't their fault, but they had nobody who could even slow down Jokic at all. It was, it would be like if uh, LeBron, if the Lakers had had to play the thunder and they had been like, you know, and you try to put somebody like Gallinari on LeBron, Mm -hmm. nobody's choking because LeBron's scoring 50 a night. It's just, you guys put a guy who can't guard LeBron on LeBron. Same with Montrezl Harrell and Zubac and Jokic. Yeah. Well, I think what happened was um, because of those Warriors teams, because that half decade of the Warriors, people are like, oh, well, you don't really need a center. You just need the, the other positions to stack up and like try to have a fighting chance. And yeah. like, it's just crazy how th- how quickly things change. Cause now you look at it with like AD 
and uh, Jokic, uh, you're now just like you need you you need a big again to like get over that hump. It's like I think, and that's where the Rockets I think messed up. The Rockets I think went into this season being like we're gonna have to stop the Warriors, and it's like the Warriors are not in this. You're uh, yeah. you're built for a team that's not there anymore, and I think um, I don't know. I like. I think at some point the Rockets knew. The Rockets knew at some point before the playoffs started that this thing was going. To, they were driving a car with no gasoline in it. It just and it wasn't like the best. It wasn't going to work. They had they got smaller in the middle of the season. They got rid of um. What's Their window name? was two years ago. They got rid of Chris Paul. They added Russell Westbrook, but that they got rid of. Did they? Was that last year when they, they when they got rid of Clint Capella? Yeah, they got rid of Clint Capella and was, they added Robert Covington. That was it, this year, right? Yeah, that was over the off season. Oh no, no, you're right. I think that, that was halfway was, through the year. That was, yep. That was right. like right before the trade deadline. They were like, "Well, now we have like Covington and like, and they were like, PJ Tucker can be our center, <laughs> and it's like, well, he's six six, so I don't think he actually can. No, that it played out disastrously. But do you think that if they kept Capella, they would have had a shot? Like, I don't think that. No. No, I I don't think I don't think they would have had a shot, but I think they probably would have done better because I don't think Capella could keep up with. um, Well, who knocked out the rock? I don't even. Oh, was it the Lakers? The Lakers Lakers knocked out the rock. Yeah, Capella wasn't going to keep up with Anthony Davis. Uh, I just think James Harden's like the NBA's Barry Sanders and people mm -hmm. are viewing him way wrong. They're like, oh, he's a choke. Like people say he chokes. People say he doesn't try hard enough the job that he's being assigned is just too hard. Like that team is not really designed to beat teams that are better than it. It's designed to beat most of the teams that are worse than it. And during a regular season, you can rain threes and beat a team, but especially with not having like two years ago, the Rockets had still in his prime, Chris Paul and that team was very good. But yeah. then last year, Chris Paul was at a different point in his career. Yeah, I also think that uh, once they went really small and it was like Harden, Westbrook, and uh, Covington, I think that team took people from surpri- for like a surprise at first because of how quick they were and everything. Yeah, I think they were. I think there was no team they couldn't beat in the league when they first started. But I don't think after any, they weren't going to beat anyone multiple times in a row. Like once people saw what they were, I think it was pretty easy for most teams to be like, oh, well, we'll just do this now. I think that there's that's true. And there's another layer to it, too. I was listening to an interview with Gilbert Arenas and he was talking about those Clippers teams with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. And he was talking about the way people play Chris Paul specifically in the playoffs is they just pound him and pound him and pound him. And they're very physical with them. And he might muscle through it in round one. He mm-hmm. might even muscle through it in round two, but it's impossible task to ask that guy to muscle through it for all four rounds. And I think they play James Harden very similarly and yeah. they do it all regular season. So yeah. that team, the Rockets, it's kind of like a rocket. Like they have all of this energy and fuel in the beginning of the season. Yeah. And then it runs out and runs out and they slow down and they slow down. And eventually it's like they can beat anybody in round one yes, if they're well so. rested. But asking them to win a round three, like they're just not built for that. And I think that is a faulty calculation 
that a lot of teams do. I mean, I think my Wizards did it pretty badly too. As well. I've heard rumors. I don't think this will happen because it would be so hard to pull this off. But I've heard that the Rockets really want Joel Embiid. <laughs> I mean, if they want him, then trade Harden for him. I think yeah. they should. I, I think that James Harden would be an excellent second best player on a contender. And I think there are a lot of teams where that could be really, where that could look really graceful. I if think, I w- yeah, go for it. I think there might, I think that might end up being one of the most deadly duos. If you just put James Harden and Ben Simmons together, I think they cover each other's faults. I agree with you on that. I would Perfectly. say the same thing. If you can get James Harden to Milwaukee, I would say, then him yeah. and Giannis fix each other. And I would even say that if you can get James Harden to Minnesota, that team could compete for a championship. And it, people wouldn't realize till after the playoffs, but Carl Anthony Towns would be the best player on that team. Like they would all make each other better in that scenario. But yeah, you could, Minnesota could compete for a championship with Towns as their go-to guy, but Harden is the facilitator and D'Angelo Russell fixing each other's faults. But like the thing is the first step is hardened going. I'm not capable of being the best player on a championship team, which mm-hmm. n- at this point in his career is just true. Yeah. And also I thought you were going to say would that's something he wouldn't be able to admit. He might not like Russell Westbrook finally admitted it this year but now Russell Westbrook's at a point in his career where he has to be the third best player on a championship team. Like for years, he could have definitely been the second best player, but he was unwilling to admit that he was a tier below KD. Yeah. Now he's the third best. But like there's a thing. This is such an interesting thing when you interact with athletes. Like there's a there's so many people in their ear telling them you have to compete for being the best of all time, basically at all times, because there's so much money on the line. Like, even if you think about like, um, who's like the fifth best player in the NBA, like, I guess Giannis or someone like that, like there's people telling Giannis, you know, so many different things, but basically the goal for Giannis's team is to get him to that Michael Jordan, LeBron level, because Giannis makes probably including endorsements and everything. He probably makes 50 to $70 million less a year than LeBron James. Like that gap from number one to number five is so significant. So all of his hangers on are like, we need to get you to that LeBron Michael Jordan level, but Giannis should be thinking about it in terms of his happiness. Like what makes me happy winning being in an environment where I feel Like uh, my teammates have my back and I don't know, competing for championships, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. The way it's designed is not for the players always to prioritize their happiness, their mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you think, what do you think uh, Giannis does? I know that like the, uh, the uh if he there's all talk from staying there's talk of like where he would go if he left i think the big ones they talk about are like uh going to miami miami Uh, dallas and golden state are the three places if he leaves that he'll go do you know where i think would be cool though i don't think he would do it but i think if i think if he became a spur that would be really cool yeah he won't do it no he well 
I don't think the Spurs are going to have as good of a next decade as they had the previous decade. Like people that are 12, like kids that are 12 years old right now, I don't think we'll have the same perception of the Spurs that we had have in 10 years time. That's true. But I think you just pair up. You talk about like players pairing up. I just, part of me thinks you put um, Popovich and Giannis together and the rest would fall into place. How much longer is Popovich there? And also, I actually, I agree with you that if you put Giannis on that Spurs team, Popovich would maximize him. But I think the thing with Giannis, and this is when we talk about like the Michael Jordan LeBron thing, like, I don't know if Giannis is at his best being the guy who creates slash scores at the end of the game. Like where that's like, Whereas Harden, the thing that fucks Harden up is he has to do it all game, every game. Yeah. And then by a certain point, he's just gassed. But like, that's why Giannis and Harden fix each other. That's yeah. why Ben Simmons and Harden fix each other is because it allows Harden to conserve his energy and yeah. it allows Giannis to not have to handle things at the very end of a game. Well, I just think, I think Giannis is basically just uh a more developed, better Ben Simmons. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he's more versatile. He can guard more position. Like he can guard centers, which Ben Simmons can't really, but yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, he wants it more than Ben. The main difference between Giannis yeah, and he ben, wants Simmons, more than ben Simmons, Ben Simmons is like Robert Downey Jr. Like his dad was a basketball player. Yeah. He came from a basketball family. He, spent his childhood fantasizing about a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, you know, where he's like, I'm going to be a basketball player and I'm going to date celebrities and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make sunglasses look cool when I wear them and that kind of stuff. And Giannis is like young thug. It's like, he came from the, the bottom and he's brilliant. And he never really envisioned that. Like, I don't know if he even, knew he had this brilliance that he had. No, he got into it like later in life. It's like, he was just like, I think it was like. It's like, like 15. Court. Yeah. It's like, yeah. He was playing school, basketball before that, but uh, he was 15 when somebody saw him like selling hats on the streets of Athens and was like, you should get to a basketball camp. You're six foot six as a 15 year old. Yeah. Um, but Giannis, it's more so like, um, and that's the other thing with Giannis where it's like, and with all these guys really is we should be spending an equal amount of time celebrating that they succeeded in this uh, perverse and incredibly difficult system, which is youth basketball. Like yeah. we're same with child actors and stuff like this system or comedy or any of these, all of these entertainment systems are designed to crush like for every Dave Chappelle or Giannis, there's a thousand corpses underneath them of people who had the same dream and weren't able to do it at the same aptitude, you know? Yeah. So we should be celebrating them and we should also be ridiculing the system a little bit. Um, But instead we just spend our time like Giannis rescued his entire family from poverty and has, you know, behaved himself with, incredible conduct and he's shown the heart of a champion and he's also he's so good he got his brother's jobs in the nba <laughs> just by being like 
Oh, well, yeah. I think he plays with one of his brothers and then one of his brothers just won a ring in LA. Somewhere Taylor Griffin's like, hey, Blake, if you didn't spend so much time trying to learn stand up. <laughs> yeah. Or doing like car commercials. That was yeah. that was at one point with like those Showtime Clippers where I was just like, um, dude, you guys need to do less commercials. Like win a yeah, championship and then they're so good at them. You know, they were good at them. They're better at commercials than they are. Yeah, I think that the Clippers, that was a team that should have been more competitive. Like that was a team where you can actually fault the mental makeup of the team for why they didn't accomplish more. Whereas yeah. sometimes I think it's incredibly unfair. Like I actually think like with this year's Clippers team, the faulting of the mental makeup. I thought that was unfair. I thought they just ran into a significant matchup problem. I think they also, um, for them to have won, it would have been even crazier than like the, uh, like the 08 Celtics where it was like, none of them had played together. Then one year they just all play together and win it all. Except that they had a full season to get to know each other where the Clippers barely played together. Like and really, KG's like Giannis too. Whereas like some guys just are willing to die for it, and that's not yeah. necessarily a good thing. And you look at KG, like I mean, KG was a guy who was always willing to die for it, and then also he never got it. Whereas you know, I, I think Chris Paul's actually that way too. He's a lot like KG, but then I don't think that the rest of them are wired that way. Um, and I, I just think that like in general, it's gotta be frustrating when one person has the vision and nobody else will follow them. Like it seemed like, well, Chris, I think that's, yeah. that's been, um, that's been uh, Jimmy Butler's issue for like seasons. And now they, he's good. And now, now he's, he's good. good. But he's people like, follow him. Now he has people that follow him and he like really found a place for himself. But he basically like, uh, I heard this, I forgot that this, uh, this happened, but apparently one of the coaches, I don't know if it was the head coach or an assistant coach made some comment when Butler was on the team, but how it seemed like Butler was like bullying uh, towns. And it's just like, dude, that's not a good look. And your coach is like speaking out for you about how like you feel bullied. And then I think, uh, Butler just also like what we were talking about with Simmons earlier. He just didn't vibe with Simmons either for all those reasons you talked about. But that's the thing too, where it's like people act like a team has to be one way where you can have a team like the Miami heat where everybody's intense. You can have a team like the Lakers where it's LeBron and everybody's following behind him. You can have a team like the golden state warriors where everybody's like, let's just have fun, but also we'll, dot our I's and cross our T's like that works. And I think if Minnesota, like if you put Harden on Minnesota and now that's a contender, I think that their, their vibe doesn't have to be cutthroat. Like the heat, like they can, teams can be competitive with various vibes. The issue is when teams are clearly on a different page within the team. And that's what was happening with the Clippers this year. uh, The probably, I don't think there was a team where I really, I mean, there's teams like the Rockets, but like, I don't feel like of the teams that got to the conference finals, like the Nuggets were all on the same page. The Lakers were on the same page. That was a great series. The Celtics were all on the same page and the Heat were all on the same page. And that was a great series. Uh, 
something else uh, I would want to get into your opinions on. Uh, yes, obviously, I'm the Celtics fan. What do you think? What do you think the Celtics do or what they should do? And, like, what do you think? In the draft? With, uh, with every offseason, Gordon Hayward. Uh, I think they should keep Gordon Hayward. I'm, I know that – I just don't think they have a real chance to upgrade from Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Um. I think that I think the Celtics are right there. I think that they all they really need is to be able to add a competent defensive stopper at center and they can compete with anybody. I mean, what what is on the table for them? Like there's no superstar that they can bring in. I don't love the idea of flipping. I like the core of Jalen and Tatum and Kemba. And I think Kemba will stay good. Yeah. I would say you either try to bring in somebody like Nerlens Noel to be your, to be your stopper at center mm-hmm. um, or like just to compliment Tice. They had, they had a similar problem to what the Clippers have where they just don't have the big center that can, yeah. uh, that can handle things there. But you think Nerlens is big enough? You think he, he can do that? Well, I think they should draft Vernon Carey Jr. And I think mm-hmm. that he would be, a good fit for what they need. Um, and, and he's available to them. I think that he'll be competent as a, just as a defensive presence and stuff to spell Tice when, when they need to. Um, but I, I think Nerlens Noel can guard most guys that they would go against. Like I think Nerlens Noel can slow down uh, a Bam Adebayo enough where they would have, I think he would have been an upgrade over over Tice in that series. Yeah, yeah. Tice but, is another one of those guys where it's like I think you could also, if you had like a more of a stopper at the big, you could, I you could play big and move Tice to the four. I think that's the thing is that you it's before it was small ball. I feel like now you have to be able to be like such like a well rounded. I think you need you to can be either be that or small. So I think that you can either be the versatile team. Or the team with the two dominant stars, which is why I think that the favorite to get Giannis is Dallas. Because if Giannis is in Dallas, now there's two dominant stars. You can build everything around that. People have to adjust you, and it's actually kind of impossible to. That's what the Lakers did. Like They were able to tinker with stuff, but they everything was built around the two dominant stars, you know? Yeah, and that's probably what the Clippers are still trying to do. Um, they just need to tweak some stuff. Uh the Celtics okay. are right there, though. I mean, Tatum is a star. Brown's going to be a star. That's the other thing is that the Celtics are so young that I think it's just like one more year. This was also the first time that they made it to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals where the expectation was on them to win, where every other time they were the underdogs against LeBron. Did you think they were going to beat the Heat? Uh, yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah, um, I did. I didn't. But the other thing with that series for me, and this is probably my unpopular Celtics opinion, is uh, Brad Stevens needs to be better. If they're going to compete for championships, they're going to have to do it with him always being the best coach on the floor. And he wasn't the best coach on the floor against Nick Nurse. And he wasn't the best coach on the floor against Eric Spolstra. And I'm not even sure he would have been against Vogel. Like he got outcoached in the, I mean, he definitely way outcoached Brett Brown, but I mean, that was also, that was a yeah, lock. but I don't know if I agree with people when they're like, oh, it's time to get rid of uh, Brad Stevens. No, he can know. get better. I'm not yeah. saying – I don't think that he's 
like he's also young but when yeah, they talk about the celtics being a young team he's also still yeah the young coach and uh this was probably the kick in the ass that he needed to also like jalen uh, brown to me has a ceiling of hall of famer mm-hmm. and i feel the same way about brad stevens but mm-hmm. whereas with tatum it's like he'll probably be a hall of famer with Brown and with Stevens is like, I could see it or I could not see it. You know, it's the other thing with the Celtics is they have Grant and Robert Williams on their bench. Mm -hmm. And one or two of those guys could be really good in a variety of ways. Like I think that either of those guys could be like Draymond green, where Mm -hmm. they're just this elite decision-making center that even though they're undersized. The thing about playing center when you're undersized is you have to have really long arms. You have to have really good timing and you have to be really strong. And if you have all three of those things, it's doable. Um, So either of those two guys could be a great center or with Grant Williams, if he becomes a great three point shooter, now he's like this elite guy off your bench. Like he's like a luxury at the power forward position where you have basically two really, really good players or he's a trade chip. And then you send him somewhere for, I don't know, but I think the Celtics have a lot of promise. Yeah, I do too. I think they're in a really good position. I think it just like, uh, you, they get so far. It just sucks to see them go down to like the fifth seed. Um, <laughs> but that heat team was really good. That's the, the real so problem good. is that oh. the NBA is so good right now. Like there's never been, I don't think since, Jordan, like, or even Magic and Bird, have there been so many legitimate, cha- like, championship contenders? Because yeah, next year, you look at next year, um, usually there's, like, four teams where you go, this is the top tier. Next year, to me, the top tier is the Lakers, Warriors, Nuggets, and Clippers in the West. And in the East, it's the Heat, Celtics, Bucks. Sixers, if they draft right, and the Nets. Like, those are nine teams that all are very, are are like conceivable, not just championship teams, but you could, any of those teams could be historically good and it wouldn't surprise you. Yeah. It looks like the Sixers are trying to bring on Daryl Morey. Yeah. Um, And they obviously already got uh, Doc Rivers. Uh, Sixers just need. I mean, they just need a shooter. Like, if I was the Sixers, I would, like, if they had Seth Curry or someone like that, just being able to run around and, I mean, they, they really miss J.J. Redick, and then it, it hurt yeah, them. Yeah, they should have paid Redick. They also, um, they messed, I think they messed up. Um, they way messed it up, man. It's a shame because. Well, then they got Al Horford, which I think was a mistake. Nah, that was the big mistake, and it just sucks to say it because. I, I mean, you know, you watch an interview with Tobias Harris, you love him. Like, he's yeah. a great guy. He's he's the piece that doesn't fit with them. Like, yeah, he just is. It just, it it doesn't work because he is like a, a he's not like a ball stopper. But yeah. he's one step in the direction of ball stopper. And that root, that it just, it just messes things up because the decision-making has to be so quick in the half court because there's like, they're kind of slow. So in the half court, they have to make decisions quickly or else they never get the jump on anybody. And mm-hmm. uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. I think they, they're just in a weird place where I guess it can work because basketball is so positionless, but they have like a point guard who can't shoot and a center who always wants to lob threes. And it's just like, and beat should not take threes. I mean, he can take them during the regular season with the understanding of who cares. It's the regular season. Mm-hmm. And we don't want you to pound on your knees every play in the regular season. But once the playoffs come around, Embiid should just, I mean, he needs to be watching footage of Orlando Shaq because that's the other thing with Embiid is like, he doesn't have a ring yet, but he carries himself like Lakers Shaq, like, you know, end of the three-peat Lakers Shaq. Yeah. And there's just got to be a little bit more. I was talking to a friend about this, like Embiid just tries to beat the other center. Orlando Shaq tried to beat the whole other team by himself. And yeah. That mindset would really help him beat of just like, I have to dominate this team. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think uh, this is just becoming a, uh, a rag on the Sixers, but uh, I just don't <laughs> think that uh, I think they're both really good, but I think they both have like mindsets that don't help. Like the, uh, the aloofness it's like, Oh, uh, it, 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 like Ben Simmons just doesn't seem to have like that drive of like being the best and like, doing whatever he can. He just likes the celebrity and fan like we talked about. And then uh, I think MB does have that hunger, but I mean, like you said, he acts like he's already done it and that he just can like goof around. I don't think that Ben Simmons doesn't care about winning. I think there's levels to it, right? Like Giannis and KG, those guys need it. But guys like Paul Pierce and Ben Simmons they still really, really want it. And I think both those guys, Paul Pierce, Ben Simmons, worked really hard during their – like T-Mac never won anything, but he worked really hard. But like yeah. T-Mac and Ben Simmons both have the same issue, which is that they keep their emotions to themselves, which is actually in some ways a good thing. Uh, but then in other ways – but if you don't win – like Seth, or Steph Curry keeps his emotions to himself – but he wins. So nobody goes, Hey, why aren't you yelling at your teammates? But Mm -hmm. then if you're a guy who keeps your emotions to yourself, then when, if you lose, people act like you're not a leader, but with Ben Simmons, Mm -hmm. to me, the issue that to me, like Ben Simmons and Embiid, it's not that they can't play together. It's that they are such specific, specific things that everything around them has to be perfect. It's like tomato sauce and chocolate. You can make a great dish with tomato sauce and chocolate, but if you're doing tomato sauce and chocolate and then Tobias Harris is like egg salad it's like now it's too there's too many weird things that don't you need if you're gonna have tomato sauce and chocolate and make something perfect it's gotta be it's gotta be everything else has to be exactly right it has to be like i don't know i'm imagining like a shepherd's pie but it's got chocolate infused and it works but like yeah you can't nothing else can be out of place if you're gonna make these two non-traditional pieces work together yeah i think that's true i think uh i mean what they should trade Tobias Harris for Kevin Love? The, what I've been saying for two years—is that what you think? I mean, that could work. I—I I mean, that's basically a way of getting to what I was saying. It's just around. I mean, I think you yeah. just around Ben Simmons with shooters, like shooting and decision making. Yeah, I mean, and and the Cavs need a need a small forward. I mean, I think that's that's the move to me. Tobias Harris uh, would be happier on the Cavs. Kevin Love would be happier on the Sixers. 
Do you it know works what center everybody. Hatch would want on the Celtics? Uh, and I don't know if we could get him without trading. I, get, I think he is a free agent now, but uh, Tristan Thomas. Thompson. Tristan Thompson, yeah. Uh, you He would he'd be fine on the Celtics. I mean, he would work. He does a lot of the same things New Orleans Noel does. I think he's like – he has a little more tread on his tires. Like, so – but yeah, yeah he could. He think, they were trying to get him at the I mean, end. Yeah, of the they season. were. I think the other thing the Celtics need, without doing like a drastic big move, is I think they need more veteran presence. I think they need a veteran who uh, has done it and has Dwight Howard. So huh? you want Dwight Howard on the Celtics? That's oh, maybe. Or but then I think what you also want is I think this is what worked for the uh, the Lakers is I think you need the veterans who have rings, and then you get the veteran that doesn't have it. Yeah, uh, like, that's an underrated thing. So even like even if it's like Carmelo Anthony now on the Celtics, not on the Celtics, the no. Carmelo, there's some places Carmelo should be with either LA team. I look at both those teams, or you know, it'd be a low key great situation for Carmelo back to Denver. Dude, I've thought that. I've thought back that to too. Denver for Carmelo. Yeah, I actually think next year's finals is going to be Nets and Nuggets, the marijuana finals of all time. um that would be funny yeah i mean there's so much there's so many good teams it's uh and i mean the either la team mellow would be a perfect fit for i mean the clippers needed somebody like mellow like they to shoot those shots if they could have taken those more shots and given them to mellow like they might have i mean they were just such a bad matchup for the nuggets like Really, they're another team. Yeah, well, we're going back to the Celtics. Who's the, who? Then who's not Mello? Who's who's the uh, who's the aged veteran who like used to be an All Star that like never got it that fits with them? Is it Demarcus Cousins? I if Demarcus Cousins can if he feels good about his like being able to move well and stuff like that, he would be a great fit. I mean, Joakim Noah is probably two years too late. Yeah. Um, but if the yeah, Knicks, if they could have taken Knicks, Joakim Noah, but I really think the move with the Celtics, I think they have enough veteran leadership. I think like Marcus Smart is that guy, is that veteran guy? who really wants it. I think the move is you draft a young guy and they're so good at player development up there that you draft a young guy, you mentor. And I actually think that, yeah, you bring in I, – I really think the move for them is Vernon Carey Jr. I think that there's a lot of situations where Vernon Carey Jr. could fail, but I think that in Boston he would be his best self, which is a very good physical backup center that can rim protect and get rebounds. And I, I don't think you want a center there who's going to – play a lot of offense. I mean, there is, there's a case to be made for Dwight there. If all of us didn't know that Dwight's going to take next year off, like next year, we're getting diva Dwight in full effect. That being said, Shaq was really unfair to Dwight. That was bullshit. What Shaq tried to do. What did Shaq say? Shaq was like, it's not a real championship because you didn't play in as many minutes. It was fucking stupid, man. Like I, I yeah. love Shaq and I think he's really funny, but sometimes he's too petty and he has you know those he, guys. He just doesn't like, 
Yeah. And it's like, dude, that's, you got it. You just got to be consistent. And that's stupid. Like when you say Derek Fisher is not a real champion because he didn't take as many, like it's such a slippery slope to go, Oh, you didn't play as many minutes as the starters, or you didn't take as many shots as this guy, or it's, it's dumb. Dwight Howard's a champion. And if people want to be mad about it, then they should go be mad off the internet about it. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely. I I always referred to that Lakers team. They were like the meme team, <laughs> you know. It was but like, they didn't have Lance. You know, Lance Stevenson should get a ring. Whether I don't Lance know if was he's really still, when it was the meme team, but like he was Ronda, the king of the meme team. That's, uh, do you remember, dude? One of the funniest basketball moments I've ever seen in my life uh, is so. I guess Lance Stevenson and Kyle Kuzma were both going up for a rebound and Lance got the rebound in a way. It's like, you know, when guys will muscle a guy from the other team and yeah. knock him to the ground and stare them down. Lance did it to Kyle Kuzma, <laughs> but it was like, it wasn't like he didn't know he was on a different team. He's like, I see you. I know you're on my team. I just want to let you know that in this scenario where I have better positioning for a rebound than you, I can weight room the fuck it. Like he just, he ragged all them just to prove a point that was so not necessary. It just looks so personal. It was like, I, it just reeked to jealousy, but that being said, yeah. I love Lance Stevenson. Yeah. Lance Stevenson's hilarious. But then they also had J.R. Smith at the end. Uh, Dwight Howard's a meme guy. Oh, Lance also one time, uh, like Lonzo got an and one and yeah. Lance went and he like from behind and he thumped on his chest on Lonzo's chest to like big him up. And mm-hmm. he clearly heard him. <laughs> he like knocked the wind out of Lonzo. Lonzo keeled over. It's like Lance, man, the, a lot of these guys on this Lakers team, they're not about the life you're about. Like Lonzo came up in a suburban home. Kuzma. Yeah. I don't know where he's from, but yeah, uh, I have no idea where Kuzma's from. Kuzma and you, anything wouldn't surprise me with Kuzma. Like Kuzma, you could tell me that he uh, grew up in like a fucking secret society, like true detective. And he was like, I don't know anything. And I'd be like, Oh, okay, I guess. Or you could tell me that like, you could tell me Kuzma grew up in any state in America. Like you could tell me he grew up in Alaska or Texas or or Europe, like, and I would just go, I guess he did. Like, where some guys are very specifically from one part of the country. Like, Marcus Smart is definitely from somewhere in the South. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to get into now uh, a little bit. Uh, so I'm going to be, speaking of the South, you know, I'm like I said at the beginning, I'm going to Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Uh, to do stand-up. Uh, and it's going to be really weird. Because I'm going to be going into Trump country, like what city are you going to? Part of the huh? What what city? Uh, Chattanooga. So that's okay. not really that's not really Trump country. I think that's like more that's uh, train country. Yeah, it's more of like a, a cool liberal city from what it sounds like. Um, yeah. A lot of mountains to hike, but it's still gonna be uh, just such a <laughs> not that. Not that Trump supporters aren't cool. They're yeah. ruining this. You know, they're sending they're insisting on sending our country into the dark ages. They're yeah. facilitating a cultural civil war, but they're cool. You know, the. Yeah. You know, I also so say that they're not cool. I'm not I'm not worried about losing. <laughs> you <laughs> losing know, that. they're like 
they're apologizing for some of the most ridiculous behavior that, but you know, they also, some of them chug a beer and they yeah. seem cool. They're, uh, they're sycophants, but, uh, yeah. I mean, they can't be chill. Um, I can't be a chill sycophant. Um, how are you feeling about these, uh, this final stretch? Dude, I never wanted to be like a person that went, oh, these people are the bad people and these people are the good people. And the only thing stopping me from doing that is that the people who would be, there's no good people. <laughs> like, yeah, this is a fucking disaster yeah. and it's a disaster. It's dude. This shit is uh, a marriage with two people who hate each other and they're only, they're not talking about it because they don't want to move out of their sweet house. Like two people that hate each other, but love the mansion they're living in. And, and they don't even want to talk about it because they know either one person's going to have to compromise or both people are going to have to compromise or somebody's going to have to move out of the house. Like to me, there's like, there's like really the two options, which is option. Number one is we have a, long, thorough conversation as a country. Uh, We start with listing our shared values and we go, what is a system that would actually represent these shared values we claim to have? And we move in that direction as a country. And that would be really hard and really methodical and really a mature decision that I don't think we're capable of. And then the other decision is I think that America becomes five countries. And I think either one works And then the third option is violence. And I don't want like, I don't think people get how fucking terrible violence is. Like, I don't think enough people have been to Gettysburg or something. They just don't get it. But like, yeah, this shit might have to be multiple countries because. But don't you think that uh, would that not just lead to people, the countries invading each other, like the most violent country? Because the one beautiful thing about America is that we do believe and live and let live theoretically. But the problem is we always think everybody else is infringing our right to live and let live. So like pro-life, pro-choice people, the pro-choice people are like, they're like, you're in, you know, if you are pro-life, you're infringing my right to get an abortion. And that's true. But the pro-life people are like, if you're pro-choice, you're infringing our right to have a holy society. And that's a lie because even in those pro-life, do you think that God is going to go, well, you guys stamped out abortion, but your prison conditions were torturous for your entire life. Like, do you think that your pro-life community is without sin in the eyes of the Lord? It's even if, even if you are right, that God considers an abortion, a damnable offense, you guys are still going to hell for something else. If God judges people on the basis of their communities, which I think God probably judges people on a person to person basis. If he's up there, because if not, nobody's getting through the door. Like what fucking County in America is all making it to heaven. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Every County has done some terrible shit, you know, as a County. So hopefully it's on a person to person basis, but, but yeah, so but the my point is that the pro-life people view 
people mandating that abortion be legal as an infringement on. So if we were to have separate societies, like Mm -hmm. let's say the East Coast was one country, the South was one country, the West Coast was one country and the middle of the country was it. I, I think probably the way it would break down is like the East Coast would be one country, the the mid the midwest or middle of the country would be like two countries where like gerrymandered weirdly so like you try to get as many liberal cities in one crescent and as many as much conservative territory in one crescent then the south would be a like texas wouldn't i don't think the south realizes that texas doesn't want to fuck with them if we all split up texas isn't going to be saddled by alabama that's the other thing about america is on a community level, we don't want to have to deal with people from far away affecting us. So Texas is not going to just take Tennessee and Alabama and Mississippi and prop them up. Like Texas is going to go, we have a solvent economy. You guys don't, you guys can fail on your own. And then I think Florida would be maybe two countries within Florida too. Yeah. So, So that'd be like seven countries, but and we could do that. And then we could have like a five year grace period where, you know, all the liberals in rural uh, wherever, like rural Indiana, have the opportunity to migrate to a liberal country if Indiana was is within a cons- or like all the conservatives in California can go to Texas or mm-hmm. or conservative Florida because. Texas or California conservatives aren't going to spend a moment in Alabama. Those people don't fuck with Alabama or Arkansas now. So they're going to take the first flight to like Tampa or something. But like, yeah, so we have the grace period where people can move from country to country. And then, you know, we got our seven countries and Trump will be the president of one of them. And when that country has the worst economy by far of the seven, you know, then what are people going to say? Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is people talk about like Trump and like the stock market, but it's like, it's not that complicated. You just look at the numbers and it's like, yeah, the stock market went to record highs under Trump, but it was, he inherited it. I think also at a record high, I mean, percentage wise, the stock market goes up more, at least in the last like handful under Democrats. Yeah. No, I mean, the thing is that the, every Uh, every regime during our lifetime, like you look at Bush, Bush inherited a good economy and ruined it. Trump inherited a good economy and ruined it. It's really simple. The Democrats are in the, the Republicans all do cronyism and the Democrats are in the pockets of the banks. So, and that's the thing. It's like, it's like you can't have it both ways. You can't attack Joe Biden for being like a pinko, commie socialist he's and then also yeah. be like he's in the pocket of wall street no it's, he's yeah. one of those things is true and it yeah, the second negates the other one <laughs> no the idea that he is a communist and or even that he's like a trojan horse for communism it's baseless because like i don't know man if he was if he was an idealist he wouldn't have been at the front of the Democratic Party for this long. Like the Democratic Party has undergone a major shift in the last over the last 30 years, which is why somebody like Bernie Sanders was way in the background 30 years ago. Even like John Lewis, like everybody, you know, all the Democrats stand for John Lewis now, but like 
John Lewis was in the background. Like I, as a kid in the nineties, do you, do you remember anybody mentioning John Lewis? No, but I no. was pretty young in like all the nineties. <laughs> no, but like, I remember when I was a kid, like the big democratic senators were like Ted Kennedy and this guy bird from West Virginia was like a former Klansman. Like the Democrats have had a radical shift, not even in terms of ideology, just in terms of like how they've been marketing. First of all, when we were kids, the democratic party was like Lily white. I mean, now it's probably, I wonder what the stats are for that, but I I think now it's far more diverse than it was in the nineties. Okay. Yeah, but it's also not like uh, the Democrats are so white in the 90s and the Republicans were the diverse ones. It was just. <laughs> <laughs> like no, you don't remember that? You don't remember? Uh, well, you know, when Jay-Z and Nas made uh, the song Black Republicans. Black Republicans together, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the most diversity the Republicans had <laughs> since since they tried to get another rapist on the Supreme Court. Yeah. <laughs> that's really, um, that's when the, the Republicans... Uh, that's where they, that's one area where they need more diversity is they need to, and you know what? I I respect them now for the first time in my lifetime, they're trying to get a non-rapist onto the Supreme court. And I just think it'll be good for the Republican party to have a diversity of opinions of, you know, now they can have conservative rapist judges and conservative non-rapist judges, and they'll be able to bounce their ideas off each other. Yeah, it's they're doing really well. That's, uh, that's, that's <laughs> now, a good benchmark. <laughs> the one issue is that conservative rapist judges are notoriously not great about hearing con- criticism from their female conservative counterparts. <laughs> yeah, I doubt that one. Yeah. Um <laughs> She should if she cares about her well-being, she should stay off the Supreme Court. Well, if she's really an originalist <laughs> who thinks everything should be the way it was in the 1700s. She should not be on the court. She should. Oh, that's a great point. He's like, I'm going to recuse myself and get back in the kitchen because <laughs> um, that's what the founding fathers thought. They would never put a woman on the Supreme Court. So why am I here? That's why. That's why originalism really is funny. such like it's such bullshit. It's like, what are you? What are we even talking about? What do you mean? It's like everything should be the same before we knew like any science. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm an originalist too. I believe in human sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. Well, then it also gets to the thing. It's like, oh, I believe in traditional marriage. I think marriage is something as a sacred bond between a um, a 30 year old who gives a 40 year old a goat for his 15 year old daughter. And it's like, that's <laughs> like, that was traditional marriage for like, like yeah. what, centuries, thousands of years. And it's just like, yeah. Do you know how little you can buy with a goat these days? Try going to a Absolutely gas station nothing. and getting a full tank of gas with a goat. You're not going to be able to. No, do the it. best you can get is maybe a different goat. I don't think. <laughs> Just goat trading. Yeah, I'm sure there's some goat trading. Um Maybe some other livestock. I don't know. You just the, yeah. the, the market value of goats is just really plummeted. That's true. I mean, you know it's 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 just it's not what it was and it's a shame um yeah we moved away from the goat standard then the gold standard that's just yeah what is our money now but goats um, are getting more media time than they've ever gotten just in terms of people calling themselves the goat i love that though every rapper now now they they call themselves the goat in their first single i love yeah. it man yeah like no album out just the greatest no album <laughs> it's good i would you know at least that's one thing that 
you can't accuse this country of is having low self-esteem. No, it's the, we have way too much self-esteem. Like, yeah, that's like the issue. We have such like an overinflated sense of everything. And it's like, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. You, know. you know, what we should have to do is um, if, if you want to run for president, you should have to enter into a like a humiliating slash humbling scenario. Like you should have to give a speech from in a canoe while it's sinking. Yeah. And we should get to see how you handle failure because that's another problem is like for too long, we've prioritized people that have like been giving these wishful thinking ass speeches from that pulpit. And we need somebody who's like this. Sh- I mean, that's actually probably the one thing that I do like about Biden is his campaign has been like, this shit's terrible. And yeah. I think that's refreshing because that they're like, we're surprised we're here too. <laughs> this is fucking terrible. Like this is unimaginably terrible. Can we at also, least start there? I like that Biden is also taking like the opposite route of Hillary where he's just like, yeah, we might not win. And it's like, it's still very yeah. that this all goes downhill. He's like, I hope not, but this could be a very bad outcome where I think Hillary was just like, Dude, I'm fucking Hillary Clinton. How could I not lose? Hillary, I mean, the one thing, like going back to the canoe thing, Hillary and Trump would both be in a sinking canoe telling you how great it was going. And that is, I mean, there's, there are so many legitimate problems with her candidacy and with her persona as a leader that it's really, it's really a shame because you don't even really it's hard to gauge if Trump like like Trump is like cancer, but it's hard to gauge how bad the cancer was, because if Hillary's the chemo, then Hillary was weak ass chemo. You know, like if Trump had ran against Obama, that would have been a better you think he, Obama would have dominated him. See, I kind of think the same thing. But I think if Bernie would have dominated him. I agree with that, too. So that's the thing. We're never really getting a gauge of how fucking bad our country's cancer is. And at least we know we have cancer and we can deal with it. But at least if Trump was like going against a good and I think Biden with Kamala is like pretty good. It's a pretty good. I mean, it's not good, good. But at least now we know that if Trump beats Biden and stuff, then we got to really. We just got to look at like, what uh, are we doing here? If Trump beats Biden, then it becomes, this is what I think has to happen and probably should happen even if Biden wins, but definitely if he loses. I think that's a time we have to completely eliminate the uh, superdelegates out of the Democratic Party. Yeah, that shit's a mess. I think that should go either way. And I think we'd also, it would mean that we have to vote out uh, Pelosi and Schumer because I think it's just like you guys. Pelosi's a fucking disaster. And also like, uh, she she does a lot of stuff that I go. I think that she is more loyal to the Democratic Party than to America and yeah. even more loyal to the two party system than to America. And I think there's yeah. so many big problems that she presents. But, you know, it's another thing that I think. So two things. Um, first of all, the Democrats under Obama and moving forward, have done a terrible job of combating voter suppression, which yeah. 
is a big issue. Both parties love the idea of money in politics. So that's a big problem yeah. for this country, but they don't even deal with it. But then the other thing is like, if we're paying our taxes online and stuff, why can't we vote online? I don't understand yeah. why we all have to go, especially during a pandemic. I mean, I like that people are more now moving towards like voting by mail and stuff, but like, yeah, dude, who knows your social security number? Like no one knows mine. The only people yeah. that know mine are like me and three people who know mine, who have no idea like three strangers in Russia who yeah. got mine and I, I don't even know about it. But like, if you have your social, why can't you just vote on a website off of that? Yeah, it seems like you should be able to do that. And it seems like uh, the other thing about voter, this is something that I don't think people talk about with voter suppression, but I think the closed primaries is completely voter suppression. I think the idea that like you have to be registered to the right party mm -hmm. to vote in certain primaries in certain states. It's just like, so independents are boxed out of the conversation yeah. and that's half the voters and only half the voting age population votes. So you're now, you now like have just, there's now just, um, you're basically, the Democrats and Republicans are both just like always like uh, doing everything they can to appeal to their quarter of the country. Dude, well, we like, need a third party that's only people under 40. The third yeah. party, you're only allowed to be in if you're under 40. So we get this third party candidate who's like just younger and also a little bit more with the times. And it would just force those other two candidates to just not be fucking delusional dementia cases. Like, yeah. But then we our like person our first, would eat them person, their person a lot. I'm saying our person. I mean, I would definitely be a part of that party. Yeah. I mean, but then you look at like uh, the first like major millennial to like break onto the political scene. And it's like Buttigieg, who's like. What about AOC? Huh? AOC's dope. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant in like the presidential arena. Yeah. But yeah, no. A Buttigieg, AOC, I don't, I don't trust at all. That I think. Yeah. I think there's going to be in the near future. You're, uh, I'm calling this now. People can reference uh, this this episode, past uh, <laughs> episode 11, uh, eight years from now. I think we're going to have a primary where it's going to be AOC versus uh, Pete Buttigieg vying for the Democratic nomination. Okay, I know who I'm voting for. I just think like yeah. Buttigieg. There's a couple of things that creep me out. Um, like he, you heard the thing of when he was elected mayor, he fired like all the black people at the top of the police department and yeah. replaced them with white people. And it's like, well, well that's, he's that just like, I mean, a lot of politicians do this. I've never seen anyone who's so good at speaking in meaningless platitudes. Yeah. He, yeah. He's just like, people think America is over, but America's a place, a place where <laughs> things can happen. And I think that's a great thing. And it's like, that might not be saying? true for that much longer. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that I was telling my dad this, like the way that people, uh, the way that politicians speak, it reminds me of the way that boxers fought in like the Jack Johnson era in grainy footage in the 1910s and stuff. Mm. And it's just like, all you need is one person with significant punching power. Like Trump is not like a sound, fundamentally sound boxer. He's just got like knockout power. Yeah. But, so he can dominate those people because of their antiquated fighting style. But moving forward, he wouldn't be able to dominate somebody like AOC because she is fundamentally sound in the way that she converses with people. She would and bob and weave every, every hit. And he certainly wouldn't be able to dominate 
another non-politician who was a good speaker. Like we know that someone like Dave Chappelle or Jon Stewart would annihilate Trump in a conversation or a debate or what have you, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying in a campaign, but just in a conversation. Trump, like any of us could fucking annihilate. Like it's not that hard. Dude, one of the things that frustrates me is why is nobody calling his wife a whore? Like (laughs) there's nobody. Not, I'm not saying a politician. I'm not saying Biden has to. Why isn't Matt Damon being like, you leave the White House and take your whore wife with no, do you? you. Know, do you know who did do that? Someone actually who? did this, and it was great. Um, who? It was in response. So I don't remember who said this originally. Some like Republican. Chloe LeBranch. No. no. <laughs> Some conservative woman said that um, we need less women like Cardi B and more women like Melania Trump. And Cardi B slapped back. Cardi's the best, man. And she was just like, oh, how do you think she got like to where she is? Oh, you know, she yeah. was like, slinging that hand, jo- hand jobs in the back of a smoky Estonian strip club slash hookah lounge. That is how <laughs> she met Donald Trump. That is why she's the first lady. That's the one. Th- so that's why I'm like, we need to have a conversation as a country, because at the core of it, The one thing we should all agree on is we're embarrassed about Melania Trump. Everybody, the conservatives should be embarrassed because she's a whore. The liberals should be embarrassed because she's a sex worker who turned her back on other sex workers. Like, dude, if Melania Trump's platform was equality for sex workers, she'd be my favorite first lady ever. I just think that would be like brave. But she's like the Benedict Arnold of sex. She's the (laughs) Takashi 6ix9ine of of whores. And it's a real uh, there. So there's the two layers where it's atrocious. And yeah, I mean, look, regardless of how you feel, you know, it's the other thing, too, is like Trump as the pro-life candidate is funny to me because the man's definitely paid for double digit abortions. Like Kanye West is the only pro-life candidate on the ballot. Yeah. Well, and then it's also other Republicans. I mean, Republicans um, don't believe in abortion on under any circumstance unless it's for their mistress. That's just like <laughs> who these guys are. It's really fucked That's up. That's one thing both sides can agree on. Every senator in America agrees on abortion for their mistress. Yeah, that's something that the senators can come together on. Well, that's why when like um, they passed all of that, like anti-sex worker bills, like the uh, fa- FOS, I'm going to butcher it, but it's like FOSTRA uh sesta or whatever yeah um i was like well they're closing down back page uh because <laughs> that's like not where they get their prostitutes from it's like they have yeah. their own secret site where all the senators are getting their their hookers from um it's probably just like a fucking business card it's probably not even on the internet yeah yeah i'm sure it's in the yellow book somewhere there's so there's so probably old. not the thing is not that me or you have, who knows, but if we were to get a prostitute, yeah, we would call up a woman on the internet and yeah. she would meet us at a location. If they want to get a prostitute, they call up a man with an accent and he drags a woman to a location. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, you know, like they're just in general, what they're doing, like you can be for prostitution or against prostitution, but you can't be for or against human trafficking and whatever they're participating in is just so much more fucking terrible, but whatever. I guess everybody says that nobody's like, well, we're doing the worst. What they're doing is the best, but yeah. Um, Problem. But I think, I think, uh, you know, this is a, this is a pro uh, sex workers podcast. Oh, very. 
So, I just think uh, that like, why I mean, are you, you know, you're going to tell people how they can use their own palms. Like that's ridiculous to me. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to be like, Oh, you know, don't spit in other people's mouths during coronavirus, but to yeah. be like, you can't, you know, you can't jerk somebody else off. That's crazy to me. Yeah. And that's, I think, the note to end this episode on. Okay. I think it's a good place as any. Uh, I mean, we plugged it in the beginning, but do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, well, if, if you like Harry Potter, there is a great, the best Harry Potter podcast is the Potterhood podcast, and people can check that out. And uh, I think it is important to vote because we want Supreme Court justices who agree with people's rights to jerk off whoever they want, as long as both parties or as many people, you know, if you get eight people in a circle and they're all consenting, as long as you got consent, you could have every person in America jerking off every other person in America. And as long as there was consent I, and everybody's over 18, then I think that's a good thing. That's a, that's a beautiful message. Um. <laughs> now that might only exist in the, in the West coast if we have like a giant schism, but Hopefully people just realize that there this can't move forward unless it is going to do so in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this has been, uh, this has been another episode of the max cast as always uh, rate and subscribe on iTunes. Find me on uh, max Marcus comedy on all, on all platforms. And that's the, that's the show. I hope you enjoyed it.